All right, if you would open up your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 25, 1 Samuel chapter 25, and, and uh, I've been off for a couple weeks, and uh, in two weeks we're going to jump back in where we left off in 1 Samuel. This is kind of a throwback message. We bypassed 1 Samuel 25. I wanted to just take a Sunday and go deep into this um, subject, and if you look at the title of your sermon, it is How to Live with an Idiot. Uh, I have a question for you. Uh, <laughs> How many of you um, are uh, uh, married to somebody who is married to an idiot? (laughs) Think about it. Think about it. Some of you are like, yeah, wait a minute. That's not me. Um, So the Bible has much to say about um, this person that it calls the fool. And I think sometimes the word fool is not quite as strong in the English language as this word really communicates. And I think the word idiot is a much more apropos um, term. I'll be, I'll, I'll be using the word fool throughout most of the sermon. Um, but I want to define for you the biblical fool because the biblical fool is spoken about throughout Scripture. And there is an assumption in the Bible because this person has talked about so much that the fool is going to be a regular part of your life until you die. And here's just a simple definition of what the fool is. The fool is the person who lives with little or no concern about God, who lives as if there's no consequences. It's the person who walks around about life and God is just not on their horizon. He's not in their mindset. They live in such a way that they don't think about the implications of of their behavior. Um, They don't think as if God is going to hold them actually accountable. And what I want to do with you is I want to walk through 1 Samuel 25 and we're going to watch um, the fool unravel. But most importantly, we're going to meet Abigail, probably one of my favorite women, woman, women, one of my favorite women in the entire Bible. I'm trying to get grammatically correct for you. And uh, many of you, here's what we've learned. Um, Many of you are married to a fool. Many of you uh, have a son or a daughter who is a fool. Uh, Many of you have um, a mom or a dad or a grandma or grandpa who is a fool. Probably even more of you have a boss or have had a boss who would be considered the biblical fool. And here's the question. As a follower of Jesus Christ filled with the Spirit of God, what does it mean for me to live in a world of fools and represent Jesus Christ accurately and beautifully, to project uh, the beautiful image of Jesus Christ through the way we navigate, honestly, these very, very, very frustrating people. And Abigail gives us a beautiful insight into that. So if you look down with me, First Samuel chapter 25, we'll start in verse 1. It opens up and it says, Now Samuel died. And this is very important. It's going to set the context of this entire uh, uh, chapter. Because what's just happened before this is that David was in a cave. And as we know, David has been running for his life from King Saul, the anointed king. Uh, Samuel is the king maker. He anointed Saul king, withheld that anointing because Samuel disobeyed God. And then who did he anoint to be the new king of Israel? His name is? David, good job. David is running for his life. Saul is trying to kill David. And this is a season of life for David that lasts about a decade that we've called the exile of David. David is running for his life, living in the wilderness, living in caves. And so David now, in chapter 24, finds himself in this deep, deep, deep cave. Saul, the king, hunting his life, trying to kill him. Um, He sees him in there. And while Saul's going to the bathroom, David has the opportunity to kill him. And all of the men in 
his army are saying, David, take his life. Take justice and vengeance into your own hands. And David gives them this speech and says, vengeance is the Lord's and you cannot do that. Let the Lord be my defender. And he doesn't do it. And he cuts off a corner of his robe and David is like the hero. And we all say, look at David's integrity. Look at David's relationship with God. Look at David's honor. David is a man who trusts in the Lord. Well, We get to the beginning of chapter 25, and now Samuel, whom all of the nation loved. Samuel, the man who was a a mentor to David, who anointed him king, has died. And David, I want you to catch this, is grieving and very tender. Uh, David is in a very precarious place, and it goes on to say, All Israel assembled, and they mourned for him. Everybody loved Samuel. And they buried him in his house in Ramah. Then David rose, and he went down to the wilderness of Paran, and he is grieving. And verse 2 is going to introduce us to um, a couple more people. And there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, which means they're in the southern part of Israel in a wilderness area. Um, This is a very dangerous area. There's a lot of land. There's a lot of marauders. It's a lot of trouble. So um, this guy, we're going to find out, was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. Like this is filthy rich currency for this day, right? This guy is a multi, multi, multi millionaire. You would be wealthy to have 10 or 20 animals like this. He's got thousands, okay? So we need to get in your head that this is a very, very wealthy guy. Um, He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, if you're just reading this, you're going to gloss over this, but catch this. This is what's going on. When uh, the owner would shear the sheep, um, this was a time of celebration. So he would call all of the people who had worked so hard to take care of his livestock. He'd bring them in to this huge festival. Everybody would be drinking and partying. It was a blast. Um, and you would invite anybody that in any way, shape, or form participated um, in the helping of your livestock and of making you money. This is a huge feast. And it was not, um, it was not not just a, a nice thing to do, but it was a, a custom and obligation of this man to invite David and his men to this celebration. And we're going to see this unfold. Verse 3 says, Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. Now I love this description. The woman, Abigail, was discerning and beautiful. Only two other women in Scripture are said to be physically beautiful. It's Rachel and Esther. She is one of three women that the scriptures set out, and they say, this physically on the outside is a beautiful woman. But what we're going to see in 1 Samuel 25 is that her inner beauty exceeds her outer beauty. I mean, this woman is a catch. Like, any guy would be like, oh, I would love to have Abigail to be my wife. But here's what it says about her husband. But the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. The man was harsh and badly behaved. How does a woman like this get into a marriage with an idiot? And the answer is very simple. It's an arranged marriage. She had no choice. Um, She found herself um, forced to marry this guy, and her life was very, very, very difficult. Some of you are in terrible marriages, and here's what I want you to understand. Um, However foolish your spouse may be, hers is probably worse. And so if there's a woman who had every reason to complain, every reason to let her character atrophy, um, every reason to be angry at God and to be faithless to God, um, Abigail is the woman who would have that reason. 
Now, if you look at your notes, it says, number one, the qualities of a fool. And we're going to meet this guy, and I want to show you some of the qualities of a fool. As I share these qualities with you, there are going to be men and women or students um, that are going to be going through your mind. And here again is the assumption of Scripture. We live in a world of fools who disregard God and live as if they will not be held accountable before him. And here's the first one. Number one, the fools get nicknames. Verse three says, now the man, the name of the man was Nabal. 